times sermon uh, promptings or sermon ideas, I guess you'd say, come from all sorts of weird places. And of all places, uh, earlier this week, I, I was uh, uh, kind of prompted this way because I was in a mood. And what I mean is, my day didn't start out real good. And I'm sure that my family knows exactly which morning I'm talking about. I know my wife does by the look on her face. And it didn't start out too good. And you know how things go. It seems like once things start going downhill, they can just keep going worse and worse. And, and this certain day, I mean, things just, I, it was just not, not good. And it's kind of set the whole, the stage for the whole day. And, and I, in the end of it, I was just really, I was grieved in spirit. I was mad is what, what I'm trying to say. I mean, I was just in a bad, bad mood. And I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes when I get mad, a couple minutes later I'm, I'm doing all right, but then sometimes when I get mad, it takes a long time for me to cool off. And I, it was one of those long times to cool off that day. And, and the thing about work, though, is if, if, you, if you've got a job, they don't care what your mood is, you still have to work. And so I go to work, and I'm... I'm you know, an old sourpuss, and I'm I'm unhappy, and I'm just I'm just all out of sorts. And I go to a school because I have to go and, and do the support in different schools. And and I get to the school, but before I go in and have to deal with people, I just sit. And I just wanted to sit for just a couple minutes. And as I sat there, it was one of our sunny days, and I sat there. And I looked, and, and there were these birds that were flying around and chirping and carrying on, just enjoying life. And then there were these squirrels that were on this tree right across from me. And you know how squirrels are. I mean, they're, they're goofy, but they were, they were having them a time. They looked like they were playing with each other, just, just enjoying life. And it made me think of this scripture that we're going to look at today. We're going to be Matthew 6. If you haven't already uh, turned there, go ahead and start heading that way. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25. And... It, it occurred to me that that here are these these creatures. They don't. Well, I didn't think about the heat and air, but they don't have heat and air, running water. They don't have a lot of the blessings that we do. But I noticed the contrast between them being out there and seem to be enjoying life, and me having all these blessings, sitting in a truck, sullen and grouchy and unhappy. And in that in that moment, I was reminded of of this scripture, where Jesus teaches us to learn from the simple creatures of nature like birds and flowers. And as goofy as squirrels are, I'd probably throw them in as well. We can actually learn something from the squirrels too. And the, the point of what Jesus teaches is that we should not worry because God is going to take care of us. Don't worry because God will take care of you. Now, we all know that's easy to affirm when we're sitting here on Sunday morning, isn't it? It's easy to affirm when things are going well in our lives, but it's a lot harder when... We have to live it out. Anxiety and worry is something that we all have to deal with sometimes on a daily basis, but, God, but Jesus calls us to trust in God because he will care for us. Now, I know you just got to sit down, but if you would, and if you can, to honor God's word, please stand as we read Matthew chapter, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? 
And who of you, by being worried, can add a single cubit or a single hour to his life? Your, your Bible may say a, a cubit to his stature. Uh, the word rendered stature uh, more commonly has the idea of life. And so, how how how, how many of you can add a, a single step to your life? How many of you can add any length of life by worrying? Verse twenty-eight. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. You may be seated. There are three C's that I want you to see in our text today, and the first is the command of Christ. I want you to see the command of Christ. Look at verse 25 and, and see the command. It's very simple. Verse 25, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Don't worry. Now your translation may render this a little bit differently. Some, some of the older translations say, take no thought or take no care for your life. Um, the reason for, for the difference there is because it, when these older translations were done, that word thought didn't just mean mental processing. It didn't, didn't just mean uh, planning ahead, but rather it had the idea of anxiety and, and even melancholy. It, it, it speaks of having a distracted and divided mind. Now, obviously, the Bible speaks of the wisdom of thinking ahead, of, of planning as best as you can. Of course, nobody knows what a day will hold, but, but you, can, you can try to prepare for the future. But what's in view here is not that. What's in view here is, is worrying and stewing and fretting about your life. And Jesus says, don't do it. Stop it. Just, just quit. Now, again, that's easy to say, but it's a lot tougher to do, isn't it? Now, now Jesus moves on from that simple command... And he turns to, to uh, some cases in point. I'm, I'm going to call this C, the critters, because I'm from Missouri. Critters. So to teach us of the Father's, to trust the Father's care and provision for us, look at verse, uh, verses 26 and following. And Jesus points out the critters of nature. And namely, he points to the birds of the sky and the flowers of the fields. Now remember, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is doing his Sermon on the Mount. And so he's outside. And so all these disciples, all these people who are coming out to hear Jesus are outside as well. And, and, and I just imagine that probably Jesus was, was, was out there teaching and he probably saw those birds, much like I saw the birds when I was sitting there outside that school. I'm sure he looked over in, in this valley and saw it covered with, with, with the beautiful flowers and he pointed to those things and he says, look at them, pay attention, learn from them, learn from these uh, creatures of nature. And, and so... So what he's saying is that God has built into creation the means to support all things. And notice how he argues. He argues from greater to lesser. He says that, that God has supplied life and he supplied the body, and so he's going to supply the things that are needful for those things. He has supplied life and body, and so he's going to, he's going to give what is needed for those things. It would be like a man going out and buying a Rolls Royce. I don't know why he would. He got more money than sense, I guess. But if, if, just think if a man went and bought a Rolls Royce, we'll say a brand new truck, uh, whatever it is.
he, he goes out and spends all this money on a, on a brand new vehicle, he's not going to not put gas in it, right? He's going to take those things that are needful for the most important. It'd be like a farmer going out and buying a horse or a cow. He's not going to let it starve to death. He's going to make sure it has grain and, and, and straw and hay and, and water to drink. He's gonna, he, he argues from the greater to the lesser. God's given us life and body. And so, so the, the food and clothing, and stuff like that, that's the lesser. He's going to make sure the, the lesser is there to provide for the greater. And he also points to the animals and plants. Look at what he says. He says that they each do what they're created for, and God thus provides for them. They do what they're created for, and God provides for them. And we likewise, as followers of Christ, when we do what we're created to do, what do you say we're created to do? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. When we do those things that we're created to do, he will provide for us. Now, the question that has to be asked, and I think that, that many times we don't think about this, and I know many times when I've preached this text, I don't know that I've ever really talked about it. In what ways or how does God provide for his people? Because we can read this and say, oh, yeah, God provides. That, that makes sense. I mean, I can look out there and see, see the robins going out there, and somehow they... they they put their beaks down. They know where a worm is under the dirt. I don't know how they do that. Maybe, maybe you do, and you can tell me later. I don't know how they do it. But God has made it to where they can. And we can say, okay, God does that for them. He'll take care of me. But unless you want to start digging up worms and eating them, we have to bridge that gap somewhere. How does God provide for us? Well, I think the place we have to start here is with God's sovereignty. Some months ago I preached about the sovereignty of God and, and that's the recognition that God is in control of all things. God is totally in control. There, there's not one molecule in all of creation outside of God's control. But not only, is he, he can, in, not only is he in control of creation, he does whatever he wants in creation. For instance, Psalm uh, 115 verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So when we speak of God's providence, when we speak of his care, care over creation, especially his care for his people, we have to realize that when we're, when we're talking about the providence of God, when, when we're talking about how, how he orchestrates things in our lives to work out his purposes, we're talking about how his sovereignty intersects with time. That is God's providence. And so we have to start with the providence of God. So how does he provide for us? One of the major ways he provides is through, through the care, help, and support of the saints. Through the help of the saints. Now, many times the New Testament tells Christians to help out Christians. It tells Christians to, to, to lend a hand to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Many times we in, the, we, we in the church, I'm not talking about this church, I just mean we in church do, we in, in, in the Christian faith here in America, we have the bad tendency to shoot our wounded. We don't help our wounded. We shoot them, figuratively. But the New Testament commands Christians to care for one another. For instance, the book of Galatians says, bear one another's burdens. We're to do good to all people, especially those of the household of the faith. We should treat others how? The way we wish to be treated. That's the golden rule. By this, Jesus said in John's gospel, all men will know that you're my disciples how? If we love one another. We're to be kind to one another, forgiving others as God in Christ forgave us. We're to love not only in word and deed, not only in word, but in deed as well. You get the idea. We are to help out one another. Now, someone would say, yeah, but that's people caring for people. That's not God caring for people. But I, want you, I, I just want you to think. 
God ordains the means as well as the ends. Now the ends that he has ordained is that his people would be supplied for. His people would be provided for. His people would be cared for. That is the ends. The means through which he has ordained that to happen is through the hands and feet of his other people. Many times the way that he has ordained for people to be helped is by you and me helping out one another. Many of us here are walking testimonies to times when the Lord has provided through his people. So that's the first way. The second way is by working in the hearts and lives of people who may not even profess Jesus. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Notice it doesn't say only God's people are like channels of water in his hand. God can work in the hearts and lives and minds of people even if they don't know him. See, he can orchestrate circumstances, he can change attitudes, he can move a person's heart to, for someone to act, and, and, and even if they don't know Jesus, they can fulfill his purpose. There's a story I'm, I'm sure I've told here, and I'm sure it's apocryphal, but it illustrates what I'm trying to get at, so I'll tell it again. There's once a, 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 an old lady, she was a, a devout lady, she was a, a, a strong Christian, but she was poor, I mean dirt poor. She lived in a neighborhood, and, and boy, she was barely scraping by. Next door to her lived a, what you might call a, a militant atheist. I mean, and he was kind of a jerk to boot. He, he, he always liked to take an opportunity to mock her, to mock her faith, and it didn't matter how he made her feel. He just took pleasure in, in mocking her. Well, one day he got this bright idea of, of a new way that he could poke fun at her. So one day he goes and he buys a big old load of groceries and puts them on her doorstep, rings the bell, and goes and hides. The woman comes out, and she sees the groceries, and she says, Thank you, Lord, for providing the groceries for me. And that, that man jumps out from behind the tree and says, You idiot, I got those for you. Not God. And the woman says, Thank you, Lord, for giving me the groceries and making the devil pay for it. Now, I, I say that, and, and I'm sure that didn't happen, but it very well could, right? Because God is not restricted in his power just to people that know him. God can do whatever he wishes on the earth. He works in the circumstances and the hearts of people who don't know him yet to provide for his children. And the last way that we see his, his care for his people is through providence. Now, I mentioned providence earlier, but, but right now I'm referring specifically to his timing. Now, you probably have figured this out, but God doesn't have the same timetable that you and I have. You notice that? I mean, when, when God is working, to us, it seems like nothing's happening. It seems like he is, he is out of touch with what's happening in our lives. And we get to worrying and stewing and fretting and, and wringing our hands and praying and saying, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're at. I just don't know what's happening. And the thing about God, though, is he's rarely early and he's never late. He's right on time. And you think about the raising of Lazarus. Now, he was right on time, but according to Lazarus' family, he was four days late. Is now... He showed up, why, why didn't you come here, Jesus? If you would have been here earlier, Lazarus would be alive. Jesus had other plans, and he, he was going to be alive, but it was going to be in, in a greater way. God's timing is inscrutable, even though we can't always see it. So we have the command, we have the critters. Last, I want you to see the cure, the cure for worry. Looking in at verse 30, now I want you to see the root cause of worrying. Verse 30 again says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, 
Will he not much more clothe you? And here's the, here's the, the cause. You of what? Little faith. The root cause of worry is lack of faith. Now notice what he says again about worrying. Look at verse 25. He says, do not worry. Verse 27, worrying doesn't help anything. Verse 28, why are you worried? Verse 31, do not worry. Verse 34, do not worry. Over and over again, Jesus says, do not worry. Why? Verse 35, what does it say? I'm sorry, verse 35 doesn't exist. It only goes to verse 34. Just testing you. Actually, it doesn't go that far. There is a verse in there somewhere that says, God knows what you need before you need it. He knows what you need before you know that you need it. Therefore, you can trust him. You can have faith in him. See, when we worry, we're not doing so because we have confidence that God's going to provide. I mean, think about it. If, you're, if you call up your, 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 your best friend, you're saying, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm so worried about this, that, and the other. Why are you doing that? Because I just believe God's going to come through. Does that, ever, does that even make sense? No, it does not follow. We, we worry not because we trust him, but because we are, as Jesus said, little faithers. We have little faith. We, we worry because we don't believe that he's going to do those things. And in those times, we have to choose to trust him the best we can. We have to make a choice. And sometimes, some days, we'll have every confidence that God's going to take care of us. Right? I mean, something will come up and we'll... We'll be talking to somebody, and we'll be like, I know God's going to provide this. I have every faith. I am sure he's going to do it. It's just in his time. And, and you know, we've we're, 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 we got good posture, and we're, we're just chest out, shoulders back. We're ready to take on the world. Then other days, hey, how you doing? Man, I just don't know if God's going to come through on this. We're all, and we're all hunched over and worried and wringing our hands. Why? Because our faith wavers. We're like that man in, in uh, the Gospels that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we have to choose the best that we can to trust God. And I wonder if you have something in your life that's, that's troubling you. Do you, have that, do you have something that's causing you to worry and to stress and to have a divided and unsettled mind? Jesus calls us today to trust him. We've been saying about it all morning, have faith in God. And then be about his business, because what does he say? He says, seek first, verse 33, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we do that for which we, which we were created, Jesus promises that God will provide for us as we need. So I ask again, where is it in your life that this speaks to today? You have a, a job situation, a family situation, a health situation, uncertainty about your future. God knows what you need before you do. As best as you know how, trust him. Ask him for help in trusting him. But the first way that you need to trust him, the first way that you need to trust him is to become his child. And, and the Bible says that, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. That means me and that means you. But the Bible says that God has shown his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we'll believe on the Lord Jesus, we'll be saved. And if you've never done that, I call on you to do that today. Repent and believe. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you, bow your heads and close your eyes.
Again, this is one of those sermons that it's not something that's new. We probably all have heard this before. Like the Apostle Paul says, sometimes we just need our memory stirred up a little bit. We need called afresh to, to trusting in him. And I wonder what area in your life do you need to uh, do you need to trust God? We all have stuff. Maybe it's something that only you know about. Maybe just a select few know about. God knows about it. God can do his good pleasure on this earth. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe you need to, to throw down your arms, stop your rebellion against God, and be saved. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that you will take care of us. We know that you love us. We know that you have ways of providing for us that we can't even imagine. And God, I ask you to help each of us as we go throughout, throughout our lives to, to trust you more. Help us to have that, that simple faith of a child that you so highly commend. Lord, we just, again, ask you to work in those situations that each of us have, decisions that need to be made, um, just the uncertainty that we have in life. We know that you are in control. God, I ask if there's anybody here that's never accepted Christ, that you would draw them to yourself today and let them become your child. In Jesus' name, amen.